up, everybody? Hey, listen, y'all going to have to bear with me today. <clears throat> um, I spent all week struggling from sinus stuff and probably shouldn't have sang that first song or sang Holy, Holy, Holy as out as I did. Hey, it's all good. All right? I'll be healed one day. It'll be, it'll be all good. <clears throat> so if I cough in the middle of this, it'll be okay. I did ask mom a strange request this morning to bring me one of dad's clean handkerchiefs. So if you see me pull this out, I feel, I feel like I'm turning into my dad every day. You know what I'm saying? Which is not a bad thing. Not a, not a bad thing. But um, but a couple things real quick. I, this was the last two songs. It kind of built up into me some kind of like nostalgia. It's like growing up in a Southern Baptist country church singing those so- songs that have those same type of melodies in them. Just brought back some fond memories. <laughs> but some of those memories aren't so fond, if I'm going to be honest. Okay, just to be just to be perfectly clear, because as we continue this series, this Ask It series, the question that we're going to answer today is one that's gotten me into a, a lot of trouble in church. If I was going to be completely honest, got me a lot of in, in a lot of trouble with church. And um, this question, <clears throat> the topic of this question, has caused a lot of divisions in church. Like I personally. I uh, remember having conversations with my uncle on his front porch about this very topic and him in anger, <laughs> in anger, flip, flipping, not really wouldn't say anger, but righteous jealousy, flipping through the pages as hard as he can, ripping the pages of his Bible. Not purposely ripping them, but just in his angst, just trying to get to his point, accidentally ripping pages. And I remember me and, me and dad being taken downstairs to the church I grew up in and being sh- told to shut up about what I believe because I was asking questions about some things that I was reading. You with me? Talk about an awkward situation. You know what I'm saying? When the pastor takes you downstairs and says, you need to shut up about what you believe. And I'm like, but what if you're wrong? Just saying. <clears throat> I was just asking some questions. So this, this morning should be fun. Either way. Here's what I want to say. Okay, at the end of the day, as important as this topic is, no matter what you believe, this is an open hand issue. You with me? Like, it's okay if at the end of the, after we discuss this today, if you disagree with me, I'm okay with you being wrong. Okay? <laughs> I'm glad somebody laughed because I, when, I put, when I put that little in there, I was like, ooh, this may be a little... But on a, for, on a for real note, if you leave here today and you're like, Derek, I don't agree with you, guess what? It's okay. I don't think you're going to hell, and hopefully you don't think I'm going to hell. Because this is an open-hand issue. This is something we can talk about, we can debate, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> what this question is about, at the end of the day, let's just get people ready before the day comes when Jesus shows up. You with me? But since it was turned in, we're going to answer it. I'm really looking forward to hearing a couple of weeks because when I do the shotgun questions, because there's one question, I'm just like, I'm so glad somebody turned in a good one. <clears throat> Not that the rest of them were bad, but this one's like really good. Like, it's funny. Anyways, y'all ready for the question? So just to understand, this, this morning is not going to be an in-depth, fine-tuned little thing. Maybe one day we'll do a whole series on, on this. But for, to answer this question, I was just like, I'm just going to put as much in as I could, and hopefully you get the point. But here's the question. Where in the Bible is the rapture supported? 
that Christians will escape the terrible events of Revelation? It's a deep question, isn't it? Deep one. See why I said it causes divisions in a bunch of churches? Because there's four main beliefs, the four main beliefs on the end time. The two most popular ones are premillennial and postmillennial, and the third one is amillennial. <clears throat> most, well, let me say this. The two main ones are premillennial and amillennial. Postmillennialism, um, if you want to look that up, you can, but basically it believes that Jesus has already returned and we're in the tribulation now. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, the world does suck, okay? But I don't know if it's that sucky yet, okay? It depends on who wins the next election. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm kidding. God. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make myself laugh because I'm not, not feeling too, wake, too great. But anyways, so the question, so with this question being asked, I remember the first time I ever rode the Wild Eagle. Who's in here has heard uh, rode the Wild Eagle at Dollywood? It was the first time. It's brand new. It's one of those where the first couple times we went, you had to wait six hours to ride it. Um, so we waited to the very last minute to go ride before we left. Okay? So we're in line. I jump up. I don't know if you've ever been on it, but I jumped up on it, and your feet's kind of dangling, and my shoes were untied. And the, the, flight, the flight attendant, what am I talking about? The attendant... <laughs> The attendant, because you're flying on an eagle, y'all. Come on now. Don't be making fun of me. I'm doped up on medicine, okay? Legally, I'm going to say. Legally doped up. <coughs> the attendant saw that my shoes were untied, and they said, you better get laced up, and that's the title for today. You better get laced up, or your shoes will get caught up in the wind. Your shoes will get caught up in the wind. And that's interesting that they chose that phrase, Right? Like, who in the proper English uses the word caught up? But that has, that always, like, I always remembered the first time riding the Wild Eagle and the flight attendant saying that. The ride attendant <laughs> saying that. Maybe I took one too many allergy pills this morning. <clears throat> and it kind of makes me think of this, this passage in, that Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians. You're like, Derek, this is about revelation, no, you have to understand. Christ's second return, Christ's return to earth is all throughout the entire scripture. You with me? But to the church of Thessalonica in First Thessalonians, for Paul wrote to our friends there and wrote to us, he said this, but we do not want you to be uninformed, which means there's stuff that we can know about what's to come. You with me? Like the argument, like, well, we could never really know. No, no. Paul is saying, we don't want you to be uninformed. We want you to know the truth. Because the truth will set you free, y'all. You with me? <coughs> Sorry. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So, this first part about those, our brothers and sisters who have died before us. You with me? <coughs> Did I just read 14? 15. For this we declare to you by a, by, by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, 
will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So get this picture. When Christ returns to rapture the church or to take the church home, those who have gone before us who have died are come with him because they have to retrieve their bodies for their new bodies. You're like, Derek, that doesn't make sense. For this we declare to you by the word of the Lord that, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend, will descend from heaven with the cry of a command. Remember just a few minutes ago, he said that, that those who have fallen asleep are coming with him. Okay? The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Because here's why I believe this, because God loves us, his church, so much, he doesn't even want our physical bodies to, to suffer during the days of God's wrath, because during the seven-year tribulation. You with me? Okay. <clears throat> and that's one of those, op- those things you can say, like, I don't know if that's the right thought line. I'm okay, cool, whatever. This is what I believe. You with me? Okay, so if you want to take that part out, cool. It doesn't really change anything else. Then we who are alive, that's me and you, like if Jesus were to return right now, rip the roof off this building, those who are, those who are, who are alive, who are left, will be, there's that word that the ride attendant said to me, caught up together with them in, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Where do we meet the Lord? In the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. A couple of things we want to point out right here to answer your question. <clears throat> this is not the second coming of Christ to the earth. This is not the second coming of Christ. Well, Derek, like he comes in the clouds, okay, but he does not literally come to earth. Where do we meet him? In the air. This is not the second coming of Christ to earth. This is the rapture or the calling up or the being caught up of the church because Jesus actually doesn't set foot back on the earth until the battle of Armageddon after the seven-year tribulation found in Revelation 16 through 19. But specifically, specifically though, in Revelation 19, starting in verse 11, when he actually descends and sets down on earth, when, he says, when it says this, this is John in Revelation. <clears throat> then I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. That, that sentence there got me in a lot of trouble, didn't it, Dad? <coughs> then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Who is he talking about? Jesus. There ain't nobody else going to be called Faithful and True. So before this, he's come, and we've been caught up. We've been with him in the air. And now, several chapters later, he returns, and this is the actual second coming of the Lord. And in, the right, and in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He's like, Derek, how do you, everybody knows who Jesus is, right? There's some things that angels call him and sing to him in heaven that we don't know yet, because we're not there. But how do I know that this is Jesus? Well, I'm glad you asked. He is clothed in robe, a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called the Word of the Lord, John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among man. Who is that? Jesus. There you go. <laughs> Jesus didn't come back to earth on a white horse. Right there. Just saying. And the armies of heaven, 
And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were, were, were following him on a white horse. From his mouth come, comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. And listen, there's some debate on the army that's with God, if it's the tribulation saints or if, if it's all of us. I'm not comfortable enough to say which one is right and which one is wrong, but all I know is we, whoever is there is not going to have to fight because based on that, on that verse, all Jesus is going to do is speak a word and the enemy is defeated. And that's the same thing true in your life today. All you have to do is allow, allow Jesus to speak into those, those places in your life that are at war, and the, it, it has to crumble. Like, you remember, remember all those times... <laughs> You remember all those times when, like, Jesus would confront demons? And before he would even say a word, they would, be, they would say something to the fact of, why are you here to torment us, Jesus? Please don't speak anything. Remember the man who was possessed with demons? Please don't send us anywhere. Please don't say the word. Don't say the word. Jesus is like, word. You with me? And the pigs ran off the side of the hill, made all the villagers mad because that's how they made their money. You with me? Read the story. It's pretty kind of interesting. Why they really got, they, weren't, they, they couldn't be excited that the man was healed. They were mad that they lost some prophets. Think about today. I'm just saying. <coughs> so all Jesus is going to do is speak the word. You're defeated. I don't know what the word's going to be. Defeat. You're defeated and the enemies of, of, of the church and of Christ are going to crumble. From his mouth come sharp swords in which they strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. This is our Messiah. <coughs> on his robe and on his thigh, he has, he has a name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. When I saw an angel standing in the sun, and with a loud voice he called, called all the birds that fly directly overhead, come gather for the great supper of God to eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horse, uh, horses and their riders. Because when, when, when Jesus defeats our enemy, he doesn't leave the carcasses laying around. He totally wipes it clean. And I saw the beast. <coughs> no, that's fine. And the flesh of all men, both free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast and the king, the king of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who was sitting on the horse and against his army. And the beast was captured. Our enemy is captured, y'all. And with the false prophet who is in the presence, in, in its presence, had done the signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive in the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, and the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the white horse. And all the birds were, were gorged with their flesh. Ooh, that's going to be a fun battle to watch, y'all. Just sit back and go, ooh, he got you. You with me? Your daddy can't got nothing on my daddy. <coughs> but you see, that's actually the second coming of Jesus, not when we are raptured away and, and caught up in the air. But Derek, you still really hadn't answered the question. Okay, 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 okay. Let's go back. Because I got a little sidetracked there, talking about our Messiah. Okay, First Thessalonians four seventeen says this: Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Here's the thing: I want to put an emphasis on the word "caught up." Right? 
we have to understand that the word rapture is nowhere in the original Greek. Like Derek, but you're, are you backtracking on everything that you just said? <clears throat> Hold on, let me explain. Okay, here's the deal. Rapture means to transport, to be taken up, or to be caught up. Okay? The original Greek word for caught up is arpezio, which means to seize upon with force or to snatch up. Okay? <coughs> Sorry. Which makes sense when you think about verses like Paul would write to 1 Corinthians 15:52 when he would say, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. To snatch up. If you're going to snatch something, it's going to be quick. Right? So, <clears throat> the word rapture actually came from the Latin Vulgate, okay, which is, is the Catholic, Catholic form of the Bible, the Latin Bible. Okay? I don't know if you ever watched Catholic Mass. What, you, what you're hearing is Latin being spoken, Latin being read often. Okay? Because of the Latin Bible, Latin Vulgate. <clears throat> when, the original, when the Catholic Church originally translated from Greek and Hebrew, um, and they came across words like harpizio. They didn't, there wasn't a word that actually was a direct line of harpizio. Okay? So they had to find a Latin word that, came, that was the closest to the, the Greek word that, that it possibly could be. You with me? You tracking? And the word that they came up, to, it came up with is reptus. Okay? The verb form of it is you're about to hear my three years of Latin. I don't know where mom is. I told you it'd pay off. But repire, which is the verb form of reptus, which means to seize. You with me? So, basically, what they did was, since they didn't have a word that exactly matches harpizio, they just replaced it with Latin word of the closest thing. Right? That's where, so the argument that why well, don't believe in the believe in the in the rapture because because <laughs> it's not in the Bible. Well, then you have to do something with the word Trinity as well because it's not in the Bible either. You with me? And if you say you don't believe the Trinity, that's a closed-hand issue, and this probably is not the church for you. You with me? You tracking? So the argument that I that I don't believe in the rapture because it's not in the Bible is a fallacy. And then you would have to do something with the word Trinity because it's not in there either. So I also want us to pay attention to the last phrase in First Corinthians. We're not going to go back to it, but what it says is, at the time when we are called up, when we are raptured up, it says, we will always be with the Lord. So to say that the church will participate in the rapture, well, not in the rapture, but in the seven-year tribulation, is also a fallacy because we will be with the Lord and the Lord isn't being punished. You with me? The Lord actually took our punishment on the cross. And I'll get back to that here in a second. So how do I know, why do I believe the church will not participate in the seven-year tribulation and will be raptured <coughs> before the tribulation period or before the terrible events? First, we have to understand that the seven-year tribulation is not about disciplining or purifying the church, the ecclesia. 
because we've already been purified, right, in Christ. That was the whole point of the cross. If you don't know that, then we have failed as a church. Okay. The seven-year tribulation is in place to purify the world and Israel for Christ's earthly reign for the thousand-year reign. That's what the seven-year tribulation is for. So with that understanding, let's look at a couple of things. Well, for me to say this, if you have a pencil, go ahead and write this down because I didn't put these verses in there, but if you want to look this up, you can. Okay, to see about the purification thing, you can look at Jeremiah 30, 1 through 10, Daniel 12, 1, and Joel chapter 2. You with me? And if you need that later, just come here and I'll air drop my, all my notes to you. <coughs> Sorry. Revelation, here's how, this, here we read a couple verses. Okay. Revelation 3, 10 through 11 says this. There we are. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial. Some translations say, from the day of the Lord's wrath. You with me? Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that has come on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. First Thessalonians, Paul would write to us in 1.10, and to wait for his, for, the, for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus who delivers us from the wrath to come. Pretty clear. You with me? And there's a, oftentimes when the wrath to come is mentioned, 99.9% .9 of the time it is talking about the seven-year tribulation period. Okay? And he has saved us from that. God promises us that we will not face the trial or the tribulation or the day of God's wrath he pours out on the world. Why? Christ took upon himself our wrath when he, when he was on the cross. The wrath that is due our sin, the wrath that is due the world's sin, he's already covered it for us as believers. That's the great news. That's the great news. Christ took upon himself our wrath when, when he was on the cross. And I didn't, <clears throat> well, we go ahead, I'll go ahead and read this. Isaiah 53, 4 says this. Surely he, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet he, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and, af, and af, afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. We are already purified with the blood of Christ. So there's no need for us to be purified or destroyed in the day of God's wrath, because Christ took that for us. So here's the good news as believers. This is the great news. No matter how bad this world gets, the great news is as believers, this is the worst it's ever going to be for us. This is the worst it's ever going to be for us. Because one day we will stand face to face with Jesus, where he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. No more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. This is the worst it's ever going to be for us. Here's the deal. Revelation 3 through 19, which covers the bulk, the bulk of the seven-year tribulation, does not mention the church or, the, or ecclesia going through this suffering. 
the only followers that are mentioned are those who, who decide to follow God post-rapture, which we just explained this. There will be those who choose to follow God after the church has been raptured, but they are no longer saved by grace anymore. They are no longer saved by grace. In fact, they are saved by the works. You know what the works are? Not receiving the mark of the beast. <clears throat> the only followers that are mentioned are those who decide to follow God post-rapture, not being saved by grace like today, but realizing Jesus was who he said he was and didn't receive the mark of the beast. They are known as tribulation saints. The church isn't mentioned again until Revelation 22, well after the seven-year tribulation is over. In Revelation 22, 16, and all it says there is, I, Jesus, have sent my angels, angel to testify to you about these things for the churches or ecclesias. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright and morning star. That's after the seven-year tribulation is over. <coughs> so this is after the seven-year tribulation and the thousand-year reign of Christ as king of the earth. And we are, we are in the new heaven and the, and the new earth. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, rather you agree with my logic or not, and maybe, like I said, we could one day do a full series on this. What is our role in a time in which we live? Right? No matter what you believe. Or right, you believe Jesus comes back, takes the church away, and that's the end of everything. There's nothing after that. That's all millennialism. Really with me. Or you're pre-tribulation, pre-millennial, like me, and what we teach as a church, okay? <clears throat> what is our role, no matter what? And it's this. First, don't confuse waiting, because this is what we're doing. That's the whole point of Advent, the season that we're going into, Christmas. We're celebrating Christ's birth. We're really not celebrating Christ's birth. We're, what we're really celebrating is the picture that it gives us that if he promised to come once, he will come again. That's really what we're celebrating at Christmas. You with me? No, we're not celebrating Jesus in the manger. We're celebrating Jesus, a promise, a foreshadow of something Jesus was going to do in the future, right? Which is his return in this. So we're waiting for his return. What do we do in our waiting? And, and this is what you have to understand, is don't confuse waiting with sitting idly by. You with me? Too many of us Specifically men sit on our butts and do nothing. We don't lead our families. We don't lead our churches. We don't lead our co-workers. We do nothing. But here's the deal. You have purpose in your waiting. You have purpose in your waiting. church has picked up the same torch as our friend John the Baptist in his day in the fact that we prepare the way of the Lord's coming we prepare our hearts and the hearts of those we live and we work and we play with in fact our friend Luke wrote this he said he said this and you yourselves be like men 
who wait for their master. When he will return from the wedding. I'm going to step over here. I'm going to take a break. This is a symbol. During the seven-year tribulation, while all the terrible things are happening on earth, that's when the marriage supper of the Lamb happens. So if, if we are on earth, during the seven-year tribulation, and we are the bride of Christ. Christ is eating on his own. You with me? Just saying. And you yourself will be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when we, he comes and knocks, that he may open to him, to him immediately. Blessed are those who Assuredly, I say to you, that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat. That will come and serve him. Or serve them. Ooh, y'all. Our groom is coming to take us. <coughs> so, what do we do? We watch for the movements of God. And I don't know if you've paid attention to the news lately. I know one of the things Justin's fasting from is. Media, right? But there's a lot going on that is suspect. And you're like, Derek, people have been saying that for years. Correct? But have you watched the news lately? I'm not saying it will happen in my lifetime, but I'm saying it might be in Zayn and Lyric's lifetime. You with me? We watch. We don't know the hour nor the day. Right? So the Bible says. But we can watch. Blessed is the servant who the master finds watching and waiting. We shouldn't get caught up in the things that dominate the minds and the hearts of non-believers. Instead, we should be consumed with the pursuit of the kingdom of God. We should seek above all the rule and the reign of Jesus in our own lives. Why? Why should we do that? Luke 12 tells us this. Ready? Happy are the servants who the master finds fulfilling the responsibilities for them. We work while we wait. We work while we wait. How do we work? We repent ourselves. We repent ourselves. We repent ourselves. Luke 13 1 says this. There were some present in the very time who were told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And he answered them do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No. I tell you but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. Are those 18 on the whom the tower of Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No. I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Later in 2 Corinthians, Paul would write this to us. He would say this, because we have this promise, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness, because we fear God. 
You know that old movie, Joe Dirt? <coughs> His mama said, do you want to be found, you want Jesus to find you like that when he comes back? Kind of the same principle. When Christ returns, do you want him to see you and what you're currently doing and are in pursuit of him? See, all repent means, all repent means is turning and going the opposite direction of the way that you that you're originally going. I'm not going this way anymore. I'm going to go this way. So we have to cleanse our hearts, purify our hearts. We have to pray repentance. This is a daily thing, not a every once in a while, every couple of weeks thing. This is a daily thing, a constant thing. I'm going, God, where I have screwed up today, can you please forgive me? Where I have failed you today or failed my family or failed my friends or failed whatever, can you forgive me? But our second part of our job is that we lead others toward repentance. So first work. Oh, there's one more verse I was supposed to read, wasn't it? <coughs> it says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brought a vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't be like the Pharisees who are very religious but not very pure. Do all the right things, but your heart's not in the right place. You with me? <clears throat> but we lead others toward repentance. We repent ourselves, constant repentance, and then we lead others to re toward repentance. And this isn't us throwing the Bible at somebody's forehead. But this is us doing life with somebody, leading them toward the kingdom of God. Constant text messages, hey bro, just checking on you, I love you. Or phone calls and said, hey, I, was, yeah, I had you on my mind just thinking about you. Or that person that sits across from you at, at your desk, hey, how are you doing today? How can, here's a hard question. How can I pray for you today? Or when we see somebody stumbling and we say, hey, listen, I'm not here to judge you, but if you need some help, I'm here. We lead others toward repentance. Why? When he saw the crowd, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without shepherd. This is Jesus after he talked to the woman at the well. You with me? And she runs off and tells her whole village, this guy knows everything about me. He talked about all five of my husbands. Everybody knows you're friendly. Like, that's no surprise. No, 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 you don't understand. He even knows about the one now. I don't know if that's how the conversation went, but I can just imagine. I mean, if you're living in a small village and you've had five husbands, people are going to know. You know what I'm saying? Hello. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe God's calling you to be somebody's shepherd. Yet this is specifically talking about Jesus. Right? But maybe Jesus has called you to be a reflection of himself in somebody else's life. You go on. Then he said to his, to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Go on to the next one. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. 
Here's a crazy, crazy thing. You know what the word they would use during that time when they would be when they go in and take in their harvest? You know what the word is? Arpizio. Or the Latin version. Raptus. To seize up. Crazy, isn't it? Paul would tell us, or write his protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4 5, he'd say, As for you, always be sober minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. What's an evangelist do? Call people to repentance. Interesting fact, Harpizio is where we get the, uh, get the uh, word harpoon from. You know how to use a harpoon? shoot it and you pull it back in you know that did you you can look it up as for you always be sober minded enduring suffering do the work of an evangelist pull people into repentance enduring suffering do the work of an evangelist fulfill whose ministry yours not mine, not Joe's, yours. Fulfill your ministry. And what is your ministry? Oh, that's really at the same one. You know what the ministry is? Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Disciple, the word disciple is actually another Latin term. From Disciplinia. I love that I took three years of Latin, y'all. <coughs> Disciplinia. Which means to be trained. And to be trained, you have to have a trainer. I said that to one of my course teachers one time. Because I thought I was bright. Kicked me out of class. Because he said, well, Carter, you need, you need some discipline. Well, discipline comes from the Latin word Disciplinia, which means... To be trained and to be trained, there has to be a trainer. So what are you doing? You're not doing a good enough job. Principal's office. How can somebody know how to get to repentance without somebody taking them there? Mmm. Bringing back some Romans, aren't you, Joe? So why do we do this? Why is knowing revelation or the, about the rapture important, no matter what your belief is? It's because either way, Christ took upon himself our wrath when he was on the cross. And the world needs to hear this message before that day comes, whatever your day looks like. But if it's opposite of mine, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're not right. No matter what you believe, let's get people there before that day happens. You with me? You've got a story to tell. And that story is full of life change. Look at, look at yourself 10 years ago and look at you today. Look at yourself five minutes ago and look at you today. You with me? God has done a mighty work in many of your own lives. And he's waiting for you to tell your story. December 5th, we're going to have a guy here to tell his side of the story, y'all. 
your story that's going to be telling y'all. It's awesome. It's all part of the video. Ooh, y'all. Don't want to miss it. It's going to be good. Like therapist a couple weeks away. I'm just telling you, get prepared. Don't, don't like take a trip. Okay, you with me? Unless it's in the good old gospel ship going back home. Anybody else know that song? The good old gospel ship. Uh, da, da, da. Okay. That's a, that's a song about pre uh, pre tribulation rapture that the church that I was asked to shut up about what I believed would sing all the time, but it's actually a pre tribulation rapture song. They don't know that, so don't tell them. Just saying. Love you. I love you guys. Repent. Call others to repentance. And let's get people ready before the day comes. You with me? Justin had his hand raised. I'm done. Yeah.